Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, brings us part two of our series, Ghost Stories. Great to see everybody today. Hey, man, thanks again for showing up at Faith Church. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And for all of our Faith Church family, love to see you guys. And for all of our first-time guests, great to have you guys here. Hey, we are in week two of a series we started last week entitled Ghost Stories. Because we're just kind of tapping into this time of the year of haunted houses and all these things. But really what we want to talk about is this idea or this thing that we find, this idea and concept throughout Scripture of this person, this thing called the Holy Spirit, or if you were raised in maybe a more traditional church, the Holy Ghost, which is kind of spooky. If you don't know much about church, if you don't know much about the Bible, to hear this term, Holy Spirit, or again, in a traditional version, Holy Ghost, it can be kind of, yeah, I'm all in on the Jesus thing, but I'm going to go ahead and pass on the Holy Ghost thing. Until you start to figure out and until you begin to discover who or what the Holy Spirit is. And so we started this series last week kind of digging in. And for some of us raised in, this, in, in the church, depending on your denomination station, probably the Holy Spirit didn't get much playtime. For some reason, in a lot of churches, people will talk about the Father, they'll talk about the Son, but the Holy, ah, we're out. And even though that might be true in some particular pulpits, it's not true in Scripture. In fact, what you'll find is this idea or the concept of the Holy Spirit is prolific throughout the Bible, all the way in the very beginning. Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is introduced and said that it was in creation that God had this idea and he spoke the word. And the Bible says it was the Spirit of God that hovered over the face of the deep. It's like right in the beginning, the Spirit of God is a part of creation. And you find throughout the word, throughout scripture, his story is told over and over and over again. In fact, it's, it's kind of cool because it gives us these ideas and word pictures of who the Holy Spirit is what he does in our life, like, like things like this, that, that he's a fire. Like the Spirit of God has this ability to purge stuff out of us. Anybody here need some stuff out of their life? That's what God's there for. That's why the Spirit of God is in our life. The Bible tells us that he's like living water, that the Spirit of God is there to refresh us. Anybody here tired and struggling, you need refresh. That's why the Spirit of God is in your life. And so last week what we discovered is this, is that the idea of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God, those are all synonymous terms, that ultimately what we found out is this, is the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing, not a knit, not a force, or not an energy. He is a person, and not just a person, he is the third person of the Trinity. And so what we find out is, is that really this person, we should give some some, we should give some lean into. We should begin to figure out and entertain and discover who he is because if the Bible talks about him, he's important. But not just the Bible. In fact, what we find out is that Jesus 
spent a significant portion of time, especially towards the end of his ministry, letting his disciples, and therefore here we are 2,000 years later, letting us know who the Holy Spirit is. And it's really important, and we're going to dig into this a little bit more today, when Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, the timing of his conversations, very significant. Because he has now spent three years with his disciples, teaching them, training them. They've learned from him. When they had questions, they, were, they went to Jesus. When they needed wisdom, they went to Jesus. When they needed comfort, they went to Jesus. When they needed kind of this uh, confidence, it was the fact that Jesus was with them. Now Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's out. He's gone. He says, hey, I've been here, I'm about to die, and I'm going back to the Father, and the disciples are freaking out. No, Jesus, you can't go. But he makes this promise. He says, hey, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm leaving. But he says this, check this out, and this is where we were last week. John 14, 16, he says, every voice, come on, read it, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another who will never leave you. And so it's this beautiful promise. He says, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave someone with you, and he's never going to leave you. And this person, again, he tells us this idea, advocate. We're going to look at what that word means today, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the reason he saves us for the end is, again, because all of us in this room, we continue to need someone alongside of us in our spiritual journey. Even though Jesus is not physically here, if you are a Christ follower, I want you to know that Jesus made the promise that the Holy Spirit is not just with us, he's in us. And he's there to give us the same wisdom. He's there to be our teacher. He's there to be our comfort. He's there to be our helper. The Holy Spirit is in it with us in our spiritual journey while other people may make you feel like you're alone. While the circumstances of life may make you feel abandoned. Jesus made this significant promise that you are never alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. And today we're going to look at this big idea of why. We introduced it last week and we said again, it's not just who's with us, but why he's with us. That the Holy Spirit's not just here to make us feel good. He's here to help us do good. He's, help us, he's here to help us live out our faith values, help us to live out what we say we believe. And so we're going to check out this big idea. But let me ask this question. How many of you here would say that you have a bad memory? Say you have a bad memory. Some of you forgot to ask the question. How many of you here would say you have a bad, bad memory? First service is crazy. Almost every hand went up. It was, it was outrageous. Here's the, here's the thing is a lot of people say they have a bad memory. There are times I feel like I have a bad memory. Uh, and Honestly, I'll be 46 here in about a month. And uh, you may, it makes you wonder, like, the older you get, the more you forget. The older you get, the more you forget. And at least it feels that way. And I'm thinking, man, maybe I got some dementia setting in. But I found some really good news on a study that I'd love to share with you, but I forget what it's about. <laughs> the study was done, and here was the study. Basically, they took about 5,000 people, they interviewed them, and they found this, that the average person would say they're forgetful. In fact, in all the study and all the research, they said this, that the average person forgets four things a day. Is anybody here feeling better about themselves? Forgets four things a day, and they looked at all the different things they forgot. The top three, I don't think this is any shocker, the top three things that the average person says they forget in any given day is this, and if this is you, you make some noise. Number one, they say they forget their cell phone at home, they forget where their car keys are, or they forget where their wallet or purse is. Come on, someone make some noise for those. Yeah, I mean, those all have happened to me. Well, the purse, I didn't forget where my purse was. I know exactly where it's at. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have forgot my wallet. I have misplaced my keys. I have left home without my cell phone. Here, here's some other ones for you that said you feel like uh, you don't have a great memory or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but 
here are some. These have all happened to me. If this has happened to you, maybe make some noise. Help me out. Some people say that they get on the internet to look something up, and once they get on, they forgot why they got on the internet. Uh, they walk into a room, and they would get, when they get into the room, they forgot why they went into the room. Right? Like, what is wrong with me? You pick up a phone to call somebody, and when you pick up the phone, you forget who you're calling. Listen, I've gotten as far as dialing the number, and when they answer, I think, who am I calling again? Because all of us, we forget meetings, we forget significant dates, we forget names, we forget a lot of stuff, and it's really, really crazy. In fact, I would say this, that our memories, they are defective and they are selective. Our memories are defective and they're selective. When I say that, I mean, when I say selective, I mean there are things that we choose to remember or somehow we remember, and have you ever noticed we remember the things that are really of no consequence? I can quote every lyric from 1987, Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full Album. I'm telling you, don't make me. I can quote every lyric from 1987, I think it's the same year, from Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. I know crazy, I can probably go through every movie line of Shawshank Redemption. I can't remember some scripture. I, I sometimes forget our anniversary and my mom's birthday, but hey, I got Appetite for Destruction down. It's crazy the things that our mind remembers and the things that we forget. It's very selective, and not just selective in, in choosing to remember things that are sometimes unimportant, but remembering things that are really of no consequence. Have you guys discovered that our memory is often very defective, which means the things we remember and the way we remember them isn't really what happened. If you ask our children about how they were raised, they were beaten, abused, never fed, locked in their room. I'm like, what? Every Saturday night at our house, at least my wife and I and our son, we lay all of our clothes out, iron all of our clothes, press all our clothes, like we are ready to go when the alarm goes off. And so last night, I laid out, it's weird, I got up this morning, I laid out, I put out some fresh drawers, some socks, and a t-shirt right in the bathroom, and when I got up this morning, my wife was already up, and I walked in, and they were gone. And I thought, because I laid my stuff where she lays her stuff, but I was there first, move your feet, lose your seat, you tracking? I thought since she got up, like she tossed them somewhere. So I walked in the bathroom like, hey. She's like, what? I was like, what did you do? And then I remembered. So for a second, I thought I laid them there. Here I put them in the closet. I'm like, hey, good morning. Good morning. Because our memory, watch this, is selective and defective. It just doesn't remember what it should, and what it remembers is not always accurate. But what I want to tell you today, and where we're going to go for a few minutes, is this incredible promise that Jesus makes us, that he promises in life that we have a divine reminder. In fact, here's what he says. Check this out. This is who the Holy Spirit is to us. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate, come on, y'all got to say this with me, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And this is great news. What Jesus says is, as Christ followers, when I send the Holy Spirit to you as a believer, he's going to live on the inside of you, and he has a very specific mission, and that is to be your divine reminder. Now, here, let me give you some bad news. That does not mean the Holy Spirit's going to help you remember your spouse's anniversary, your mother's birthday, where you placed your key, where you left your cell phone, and where you dropped off your purse. In fact, the Bible tells us, and Jesus narrows in and tells us exactly what he's going to remind us of. While he might help out with those things, his promise is this, that the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, read it, of everything I have told you. So there are some things, I'm just here to tell you, there are some things in our spiritual journey about who we are, 
how we're called to live, about what we can do, about the changes and challenges that we face that sometimes we forget, we lose sight of, and we don't remember accurately. And Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit so you will always have at your fingertips the ability to remember this information because it's vital to who you are. And so he is not just the divine reminder, the Holy Spirit, he is the sticky notes to the soul. He is the thing, he is the person that comes and reminds us of those things. Anybody here use sticky notes? We write down ideas and stick them on our computer. We write down things we got to remember and stick them on the mirror. So when we look at ourselves first thing in the mirror, how vain are you? Like we remember what we have to do. We stick things on our steering wheel. Why? Because we know that there are things that we need to remember in life. The Holy Spirit, he is the sticky note of the soul. He is the one that was sent by Jesus who lives in us as Christ followers with the mission to be our divine reminder. Here, if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. Spiritual growth has less to do about what you learn and more to do with what you remember. Let me tell you what I mean by that. While learning is a part of our spiritual journey, that's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a learner. And as you follow Christ, you learn about who he is, about what God is like, about who God's called you to be, about choices we make, all of these things. And learning, obviously, is a big part of our spiritual journey but I just want you to know something. I think it's more important in our spiritual growth that we are people who remember than just people who learn. For example, how many of you in this church, and I know we always have new people, and every week we have people come who've never been in church, and we love that, but some of you have been in church a long time. How many of you here grew up in church? A lot of you. Look at that. Think about, if you just raise your hands, how many messages you've heard in your life. Think about all of the messages, all of the lessons. You went to Sunday school. You went, to, you went Sunday morning. Some of you went Sunday night. Come on, some of you got dragged back Wednesday night. You listened to Charles Stanley online. You listened to T.D. Jakes on, you know, some station. A lot of us in this room, we've listened to two, three, four, five, six, seven messages a week, and we've been doing it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Most of us in this room, we have, we have forgotten far more than we've ever learned. Is that right? I mean, that's just a part of life. But here's the reality is, it's great that we're learning, but it's important that you remember because you will never apply to your life what you forgot. But the Spirit of God has been sent in our life to help us remember key things about who God is and who he's called us to be and what we can do. And he is there that we never forget because he's our divine reminder. And so we're going to talk about what some of these things are because they're powerful. But I got to dig into one word. I told you last week we'd look at it, and today we're going to look at it. Remember, Jesus makes this promise. He says, I'm going to send you an advocate, an advocate. Everybody say that word, an advocate. It's an odd word. We don't really use it much, but when Jesus used this word with the disciples, he was saying, again, I'm leaving. I've been with you three and a half years. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you one just like I, just like I was your teacher, just like I was your hope, just like I was your strength, just like I was your wisdom. The Holy Spirit will be all these things and more. And he uses this term and he says, I'm going to send you another uh, another advocate. And this term advocate is a big, big deal. And the word advocate, here I want to define it. The word advocate in the first century meant two things. First of all, it meant someone that comes alongside to help them. Someone that's sent alongside you to help you. Now, let me just ask some people here today. Is there anybody here that ever feels like they need some help in life? Anybody here ever feel overwhelmed, feel like they're abandoned, feel like they're struggling, feel like they need some wisdom, they need to help up? Anybody here ever feel like they need some help? The great news is Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit to help us because you know what helpers do? Helpers help. You have a helper in your spiritual journey, but far more important than this. 
It not just meant this, but here's really what this word advocate meant in the first century mind of a Jewish person. An advocate was someone who pleads another's cause before a judge. This is, this is good stuff. A counsel for defense or an attorney. What Jesus is saying, I know y'all aren't there yet. I'm going to get you there because that's why I get paid the big dollars for. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm sending you an attorney because you need one. Now, you don't think you need one, but you need one. And there's lots of attorneys in the world. Think about it. There are real estate attorneys and there are defense attorneys and there are all these kind of different attorneys. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to send you a heart attorney. I'm going to send you legal counsel for your conscience because we need it. Here, here's why. Uh, there are a lot of contracts that probably many of us in this room have gotten into. Have you ever walked into a room maybe to buy a car or to buy a house and to sign your mortgage? And there are stacks of paper. I mean, there's a document with like 50 pages and you're about to sign your life away and you don't read it. Like you're just, and they just show you and you, sh you sign six places, sign your life away and you're gone. You walk in to buy a car and they sit you down to do the financing. If you finance it and you sign, you know, three or four spots and you walk out with a big old pack of paper, you have no idea what you sign. This is at, at our church. We have, uh, we have good benefits. One of the benefits we have is we have health care, like many of you guys in this room. This is, this is the packet. I keep it on file. This is the packet for our health care. There's four, five, five different booklets in here and a bunch of pages. Now, I'm just telling you, I don't care about none of this stuff. You know what I care about? That I got a plastic card in my wallet. When I go to the doctor, I hand them the plastic card, and that's all I care about. I hand them my plastic card, my $35 copay, and I'm out of $5,000. But how many people know that this is my contract? And in the contract, it has all kinds of benefits. It has all kinds of things that I have access to. And if I'm not aware of my benefits, I can never use them. If I'm not aware of what I have access to, I can never cash them in. So do you know who my advocate is here at church? Miss Rhonda Adair, she is our business administrator. Anytime I have a question about our benefit package here at Faith Church, I ask her. And she knows everything there is to know. And I'm telling you, because of that, she reminds me of the benefits I have in the contract of health care. Let me tell you about a contract every one of you have. When the Bible describes, or we describe the Bible as the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's also known as the Old Covenant and the New. Come on, y'all got to help me today. And the New Covenant. Do you know what the word covenant means? It means a contract. We had an old contract, or the Jewish nation had an old contract with God. Here's what the contract was. The contract was, God, if we're good, you'll do good for us. And if we're bad, you're going to do bad to us. But Jesus, he showed up, and some of you have heard this, on his last supper when he was eating with his disciples just before he died on the cross, he said, hey, I'm setting up a brand new covenant, which the word covenant means a contract. I'm setting up a brand new contract with people who put their trust in me. And with that contract, there's all kinds of benefits about who God is, about who he's called us to be, about what he promises to do in our life, about all of the blessings, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the strength, all of the victory. And sometimes we forget them. So Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, who's the reminder. He's the heart attorney. He's the legal counsel for your conscience who's going to remind you all of the promises and benefits that you have and I have as children of God. And that's his job to remind us. And so we're going to talk. There's a lot of them, but we're going to talk for a few minutes about what some of those are. Again, the Holy Spirit, he is your heart attorney. You have an attorney in your heart. In fact, Jesus, he says it this way in John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, verse 7, every voice here, read this with me. He says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. 
But if I do go away, then I will send him. Everybody say to me. Because you have him if you're a Christ follower. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's, and of the coming. Let's read this one more time. Every voice. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its and of God's, and of the coming. He's saying, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit because there's some things that, because your memory is selective and defective, there's going to be some stuff that you really need to remember, and if you're not careful, you'll forget. And there's going to be things because you've learned so much and you've listened to so many messages and you've read the Bible so long, there's a lot of stuff that you've heard, but you, you have a defective memory and you're not going to remember it right. So Jesus is saying the stuff that you need to remember, I'm going to make sure you remember. So I'm sending a divine reminder who's going to be with you, who's going to be in you, and he's going to remind you of these benefits. And here's the three things. He says when he comes, he's going to convict you of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. <laughs> Let me tell you a couple of these words. This word convict, it means to convince. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they are so articulate, they are so smart, they have so much more information, like you can't win an argument with them. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. Like you just can't win an argument. I mean, they, are just, they just navigate around and you walk out and you think, yeah, that was pointless. The Holy Spirit he is here to convict us. He is here. His job, his purpose in our spiritual lives, in our faith journey, in our walk with Christ, he's here to convince us. And I'm just telling you, one of the things that I found out about the Holy Spirit is he is very persuasive. I'm telling you, he is relentless in my heart. He is relentless to keep telling me things. He's relentless to keep speaking to my heart. He's relentless to keep challenging me. And no matter how much I argue with him, man, he always comes out on top. No matter how much I tell him he's wrong, he keeps on convincing me he's right. And the Holy Spirit in your heart, and you're going to see these things because all of us probably have experienced them, is we've experienced the Holy Spirit reminding us of these things, of convincing us of these truths of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. When I talk about sin... Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind us that sometimes we're missing the mark. Now, if you're perfect here, you can tune out for a few minutes. For all the rest of the imperfect people, you can lean in. Anybody here feel like sometimes they still miss the mark, they still mess up, they feel, still fall short? Anybody help me. Now, listen, have you ever fallen short, missed the mark, messed up, and you did it with no kind con- like you had no idea? Like, I didn't know it was wrong. For real? Do you know that still, small voice? Like you're just having a conversation, and you're just talking to your friend about another friend. It's a real innocent conversation. You're just talking about your friend, and all of a sudden something comes up that your friend did, and you're talking to your other friend about what your other friend did, and all of a sudden you're gossiping, but you don't want to say the word gossip because you're just telling your other friend so he can pray for your other friend. (laughs) And all of a sudden the still, small voice gets really loud like, Steve, shut your mouth because you are gossiping. And you argue, here's what's funny, is because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. What the job and the function of the Holy Spirit in our life is, is he is there to make sure that we don't steer off the road of faith into the ditch of a lie. That we make sure that we continue to walk in a way and in a life with our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, in a way that honors our Heavenly Father. And anytime we start making a decision, anytime we start signing a contract, anytime we start doing business, anytime we get into a conversation, anytime we hook up in a relationship, and we know when we do it because it's wrong, God starts speaking to our hearts, and we try to argue with Him like, hey, Jesus, I can sleep with her because I'm going to marry her anyways. We ain't married, but we're going to get married. And we try to argue, Jesus, I'm not really gossiping about this person. 
person. I'm just trying to get some prayer for my friend. Jesus, I'm just trying to get the business deal done. I know I'm fudging a little bit, but it's going to be okay. Have you ever noticed anytime you try to argue with the Holy Spirit how persuasive he is, you can never argue the Holy Spirit out of truth that he's trying to convict you of because he is very persuasive. He is very good at what he's done. Come on. And no matter how good your argument is, his persuasion is even stronger. And really the work of the Holy Spirit, God's never trying to keep you from anything. He's trying to keep you from something that will hurt you. And so I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. And all of, us in this, all of us in this room, you have access. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And he is your first warning system. He's the one there to tell you, no, watch out, be careful, avoid that, stay out of that relationship, get out of that conversation, hang up that phone, don't post that, don't Instagram that, don't, inst- don't Instagram that. Like, he, don't Snapchat that either. Has anybody here ever felt that before? That's not you. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit in you, and he is there to convince you of sin, that that lifestyle is no longer okay if you're a Christ follower. And the crazy thing is, in my own life, I still fall short. I still miss the mark, and the Holy Spirit is there all along the way. Man, man, I I hate it when he, uh, I can just be honest. Like, I want the Holy Spirit until he talks sometimes. I have a conversation with my wife, and I walk away, and the Holy Spirit's like, for real, did you just talk to her like that? I'm like, ooh, I could really just sit down here and eat some Doritos and watch some football if you would just be quiet. <laughs> and you can justify it, but, man, I mean, Lord, you heard how she talked to me, right? I mean, you were there for her side of the conversation. Come on, is anybody with me? Yeah. And, like, and then you walk in, tail between your legs, I'm sorry. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit trying to keep your marriage healthy. It's the Holy Spirit trying to keep you to have business ethics and integrity. It's the Holy Spirit working in your relationships, working in your heart, working in your home, so you can have God's best. And if we do not have the Spirit of God leading, guiding, and directing our steps, we will get in trouble. But I'm thankful God sent the Holy Spirit to help us maintain a direction that honors God, and he reminds us of it, and we try to talk him out of it, he convinces us of it. And so I want to give you three prayers. Here's the first one. I think this is really important is thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me of the things that dishonor the Father and and talking me out of doing them. See, sometimes we forget that you have the victory you have in your spiritual journey, not because you're smart, not because you're strong, but because you have the helper, the Holy Spirit, who speaks to our hearts about things we're saying, actions we're walking in, habits that we have. And he's speaking to our heart to challenge us to live a different life to walk in a path of faith that honors God. Not just that, number two, if you're taking notes again, Jesus said he comes to convict us of sin and of God's righteousness. The word righteousness means a right standing, a right standing. If you are here and you've put your trust in Jesus, you have a right standing before God, which means when God sees us in the middle of our issues, sin, in the middle of us falling short, he still sees you as perfect. He sees you as right, even when you're wrong. He sees you as perfect, even though you're imperfect. I'm glad y'all are fired up about this. And when you're a mess, God doesn't see the mess. He sees who you are in Christ, which means he sees the same perfection in his son, Jesus, that covers over you. We are just as perfect in the eyes of God as Jesus is. I don't know about you, but that helps me out. 
Because even though there's times the Holy Spirit comes to convince me something is sinful, I do it anyways. And what I want you to know is even when I sin anyways, it doesn't define who I am in Christ. My sin and my struggle doesn't define my relationship. My relationship defines my sin and my struggle, which means when I mess up and you mess up, I'm not separated from God. I'm here and the Holy Spirit is here to remind me that I am righteous no matter what I've ever done or ever will do. I'm still okay with God and he still loves me because Jesus did it all. And so the prayer is this, watch this, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me of what Christ has done for me and talking me out of my shame. Because one of the biggest battles in every believer's life is reminding us that you have no reason to have shame. And we want to hang our head and we want to sometimes separate from God and we want to pull away because we believe that for sure he's, he's disappointed in me. There's no way God's not upset with me. And so shame is the thing the enemy uses to separate us from our relationship with God and pull back. But the Holy Spirit is there to convince us that everything's okay. Everything's okay. He is there to remind us that you are righteous in Christ, that our righteous standing, that who you and I are in a relationship with God is never defined on what we've done, but based on what Christ has done for us. And so that's established. That doesn't change. And my sin was forgiven and your sin was forgiven, not just our past sin, but our present sin and our future sin, all of our sin, all of your sin was covered on the cross of Calvary. And I'm grateful for that. And what the Holy Spirit is there is he to, he's there to remind us, not just remind us, Steve, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. But I don't have to walk in shame because I've been in ministry 25 years. And one of the things that I have seen over and over, in fact, it's probably number one on the list is I'll see people who, man, they show up in church and they, like, they lock into the relationship with God. Man, they're the ones, worship's all, man, hands are raised. They're sitting on the front row, not like the back row backsliders. Not you guys, I'm talking about other churches. And uh, like, it just seems like everything's going well. And all of a sudden, they'll be there two, three, four, five months, and then they just disappear. And you think like, where did they go? Like everything was going so well. And I'll see people in Target I'll see somebody in Walmart. I'm just telling you, if I see you in Walmart, we're talking. Oh, I'm coming for you. You can try to duck me, but I'm coming. If we locked, now, listen, if I didn't see you, don't get mad. Be like, my pastor didn't even talk to me. But if I see you and we lock eyes, I'm coming, especially if you've not been here. And I'll see people, and this is a true conversation. I'll say, hey, man, what's going on? I'm not seeing you a little bit. And I've had this conversation over and over, and they'll say things like this. Yeah, you know, pastor, well, first of all, people say this, I've been sick. Listen, you ain't been in church in five months. How sick are you? Are you terminal? Have you, have you sought professional help? But really, when you get down to it, people will say, um, you know, Pastor, man, I was just really doing good. And, you know, man, you know I struggled with drugs. And, man, I, I fell back in it. You know, I was dating that girl. And, man, things were healthy. And I fell back in that relationship. And what people say basically is this, is I was doing good. And then I did bad. And because I did bad, God's upset with me. And people say this, like, I, just, I feel like until I get it fixed, I can't come back to church. Until I, like, until I work it out, until I get right, I can't worship. And again, I want you to know that your struggle, your sin doesn't define your relationship with God. Jesus' finished work on the cross of Calvary is what defines it. And so when you want to hang your head in shame because you've messed up, you got to look up because the Holy Spirit is there to remind me and to remind you, you are righteous. You're righteous tomorrow. You're righteous next month. You're righteous when you fall short. You're righteous no matter whatever happens. You are righteous. And he's there to talk us out of our shame. 
And so this word, this word advocate that I told you, again, it's an attorney. We have an attorney for our heart. We have legal counsel for our conscience. It's used one other place in Scripture besides John 14 and John 16 to define the Holy Spirit. It's used one other place I want to show you because it's really powerful. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you that you will not sin. Let's, let's everybody say that. That you will not sin. So the goal of our spiritual journey is to live a perfect life. Make no mistake, that is the goal. Say, so that's impossible. Well, let's aim for the stars and miss rather than settle for mediocrity and hope we achieve it. Because it is a sin-free life that honors God. It's the way that we demonstrate to the world that we belong to Christ. It's the way that we honor the sacrifice of Jesus is we choose to listen to the reminding voice of the Holy Spirit that leads us away from sin. But I can admit it, and you probably can too, sometimes I choose to ignore it and fall into it anyways. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to remind us I'm righteous in spite of myself. But the goal is, again, he says, I'm here, I'm writing this so that you, say it one more time, will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, there's that word, who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. This word atone means he covers our sin. That's why the Father doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus. He himself is the sacrifice who atones for our sins, and not only our sin, but for the sins of all the world. Here's what he's saying is, the same thing that the Holy Spirit does for our heart, Jesus does for the Father. The sacrifice of Jesus is a constant reminder in heaven that you and I are okay with the Father. It's not like God's like, hey, I want to go after him. And Jesus is like, hold back, Father. <laughs> He's not trying to hold God back from coming and getting us. This is just a way of Scripture saying, hey, that you have an attorney in, an, an attorney in heaven before the Father who's always arguing your case. They're righteous. They're okay. They're perfect. They're forgiven. They're covered. In the same way you have an advocate in heaven speaking to the Father, we have an advocate in our heart speaking to our conscience. And both of those are saying the same thing. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're righteous. Everything's okay between you and God. So you don't ever have to hang your head. You don't ever have to run from him. You don't ever have to worry about what he's thinking. You don't have to not pray because you messed up and you're afraid that's all God's thinking about and things are awkward in the conversation. No, you can go and pray and God accepts you and hears you and loves you and embraces you. And that's what the Holy Spirit is there is to remind us that we are righteous. And then this third thing, remember he says he'll convince us of sin. He'll convince us of our righteousness, and he'll convince us of judgment. In fact, specifically, a judgment is a future and final accountability. Now, so we're clear, many of you know this or have heard this, our sin as a Christian was judged, past tense, on the cross of Calvary. Your sin has already been judged in Christ. That's why he died, because the, the, the judgment was death, and Jesus said, okay, I got it. I'll pick up the tab. That's good news. So you say, well, what will we be judged for? Well, as Christ followers, we'll be judged according to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and uh, Romans that we're going to stand at what's called the judgment seat of Christ, which we will not give an account for our sin because that's already been covered. What we will give an account for is how you've lived your life as a Christ follower, which God's given you influence in the places you work. Do you think you got a job just for a paycheck? Nuh-uh. God sent you into that workplace to be a light and a voice. You're just getting a paycheck as a benefit. 
God has sent us in this world. He's given us resources, talents, time. God has given us strength. God has given us leverage. God has given us influence. God has given us abilities that not everybody else has. He says, now I want you to know how are you going to use those in the world you live to be a light and make a difference for me. And at the end of it all, every single one of us, we will stand before God and we will give a final accountability. What did you do with what I gave you? And here's what the Holy Spirit, why this is really important, is because I don't know about anybody else, but there are times in my life as a pastor of a growing church that I still feel like it doesn't matter because if I say it, it's not going to help them. I'm not sure if I have the answer. I'm afraid they'll ask a question. I don't know the answer. I don't know if I can help anybody. I don't know if I can make a difference in this world. Sometimes I feel ill-equipped. Sometimes I can talk myself out of doing something for God because I don't feel like I'm enough. Is there anybody here ever feel that way? And the Holy Spirit is there to remind me that he's with me to give me power that as I try to live this life he is there to convince me you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you you got this because I got you you can do this because I'm with you and when I try to talk myself out of something he talks me right back into it that I can't have conversations I can't influence people God can use me God can work through my life and work through my voice and work through my Instagram and work through my Facebook account that God can use me in the workplace God can use me in the city God can use me. When I don't feel like it, he is there to talk me into it and remind me a benefit I have as a child of God is that he's with me and he has sent me to be a light to this world and he sent you to be a light to this world and when I feel like I can't, he talks me into it. Here's the prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me that my life has purpose and talking me into making a difference. Because some of you are sitting in church today saying... I I would love to get involved in one of the things at Faith Church because that's what we do. We reach, connect, grow, serve. We reach, we connect, we grow, we serve. Some of you don't reach anybody because someone's told you, like, ah, you don't have anything to share. If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, that's why the Holy Spirit, every time you go into work and you feel like, I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. And it's this, like, itching splinter in your soul. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit saying he can use you. He can use your testimony. He can use your voice. Some of you feel pulled to get involved in a ministry. You keep saying, I can't make a difference. I don't have time. And you know why that's relentless in your soul? Because it's the Holy Spirit who keeps on reminding you. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit, I'm thankful that he keeps reminding me I'm saved. I'm thankful that he keeps reminding me I'm forgiven. I'm thankful that he keeps reminding me that I'm usable. And when I want to talk myself out of all those things, I have a constant reminder. I have a divine reminder, and so do you. And he is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, and that's why he's with you. Here's the question, because I don't think probably anybody in this room would argue that you've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't recognize that's what it was at the time, but that still small voice that keeps us on path, that reminds us who we are, that challenges us to live a higher calling, it's the Holy Spirit. Say, why don't I hear it louder? Why don't I hear it more? Do you, you want to know why? Because when you lean out away from the Holy Spirit, like, ah, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to be one of them crazy spiritual people. Like, I just want to kind of, like, I want to have my Jesus on the weekend and just kind of lean out. You'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but it'll be a little more quiet. It'll be a little more distant. But if you want to lean in and hear the Holy Spirit a little more often at a little louder volume, you can. So I told you guys last week I had a refrigerator park break. It was, it was awesome. So yesterday, yesterday I had a toilet break. It was, it was amazing. I know I'm ready to burn the mother down and go get a new house. Just five years old, I got stuff breaking. So 
I'm trying to fix this toilet. What should have been a 10 minute, I had to take the whole toilet off. I take the whole toilet off. What should have been like a really a half hour thing took like two hours. And it's in a little bathroom and it's only the bathroom my son uses. It's his bathroom. The girls have their bathroom. We have our spread. His bathroom is like this big, for real. And I'm laying in this bathroom. Imagine me laying in this and I'm trying to fix the toilet. I didn't cuss, but I almost did. So I'm trying to fix this toilet. I'm trying to work on it. This part's broken. I'm ugh, trying to fix this thing. And if you've ever fixed the toilet or you've ever cleaned the toilet, I mean good. So you can clean the toilet like this. It ain't really clean. If you want to clean the toilet, you know how you really clean the toilet? You got to get intimate with it. That's, and that's the only way to, you know, they put the bowls right, wait, where you got to get, I love you. You just got to get intimate with the toilet. If you want to fix it, you got to get intimate with it. Now, that's where people sit. And you got to, now listen, I'm not trying to throw my son under the bus, but this is his bathroom and all his friends, when they come to the house, they use this bathroom, which means they've not only used the bathroom in the toilet, but around the toilet, on the toilet. This is how it is. I clean everything up and I'm in there. I'm trying to work on it. And I want to fit, and I can't reach this bolt. And I'm like, oh, I got to hug this thing. You got to get intimate with it. You got to get close to really work with it. Holy Spirit's the same way. You can kind of do the at a distance Christianity thing, or you can really get intimate and lean in and really desire a closer relationship with the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you have Christ in your life, if you surrendered your heart to him and put your faith in him to be your savior, you have the Holy Spirit as much as any other person. But the volume of the voice of the Holy Spirit can increase by intimacy. And you'll hear him louder and you'll hear him more often if you'll just lean in. So Father, I thank you today for the voice of the Holy Spirit that God is there to convince us, to remind us of who we are in Christ, of what we can do in the accountability that we have. And I pray in Jesus' name that God this week, we will pray these prayers, that God will be thankful that you're in our life, that you're working in us and through us and for us. We're thankful for the divine reminder. I pray God, every person in this room will lean in and that God, you'll increase the volume of your voice in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.